You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, welcome. If you have your Bibles, glad you brought them. That's good. That's good. We're going to be looking at the Passion Translation, which you won't find in your, in your current version, but uh, you're free to compare them, look at them. Uh, I'm familiar with this passage in many translations. How many know first, uh, our Philippians 1.6? You got that one memorized? Just Linda. Okay, she's the only one. <laughs> Linda and I, that makes two. Okay. Well, you, maybe you'll, you'll memorize it after today and make sure you get that down. But we're, when, I, when I read it in the Passion Translation, I was just so moved. And this is Paul's affectionate prayer to the church at Philippi and uh, the amazing way that he had uh, an intimate connection with this congregation. I think Ephesians is one of my favorite of all of the Pauline writings, at least the, the short little prison epistles. But Philippians was the first one that I quizzed over as a high school Bible quizzer. So Philippians always has a, a really wonderful place in my heart. I've always loved it. And, uh, you know, when, when you look at the translations, different translations, when you get to Philippians 1.6, it's, I'm confident that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. He's going to continue it. And so we'll see how, how Brian Simmons translates that in, in this new uh, translation of the scriptures called the Passion Translation. When you pray for someone from the place of love, your heart explodes with faith. Your heart just goes berserk. You're filled with faith. You're filled with confidence. You're filled with joy. You know, when I, when I think of uh, the little one, you know, and, and Zoe's got a lot of our love and Debbie's got our love. Debbie's kind of like our church baby. <laughs> I deputize you all to love Debbie with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and all our kids, all our kids. And uh, we have been prophesied to be a, a, a fellowship of fathers and mothers. And so we need to be serious about being fathers and mothers to all the ones in the body and in our fellowship. No pressure. So if anybody needs fathered or mothered, just let us know. We've got a lot of folks that can do that. Even those that are young. We've, we've got some young people that really have the father's heart established in them. And that's what you need if you're going to parent. You can be 95 and still not have a father's heart. If you haven't received the heart of Jesus and the heart of the Father in, inside you, you won't have a heart that's, that's going to care and, and to prefer others ahead of yourself. Yeah. So here's Philippians chapter 1. It's the cry of Paul's heart for the Philippian believers to really increase in love. <clears throat> Dear friends in Philippi, my name is Paul, and I'm joined by my spiritual son, Timothy, both of us passionate servants of Jesus, the Anointed One. We write this letter to all his devoted followers in your city, including your pastors and all the servant leaders of the church. May the blessings of divine grace and supernatural peace that flow from God, our wonderful Father, and our anointed Messiah, the Lord Jesus, 
be upon your lives. Glory to God. Chuck had to leave for Cincinnati, so he's not with us this morning, but I think he would really do backflips over this first, don't you? Grace and peace. Divine grace and supernatural peace. Verse 3. My prayers for you are full of praise to God as I give him thanks for you with great joy. I'm so grateful for our union together in Christ and our enduring partnership that began the first time I presented to you the gospel. I pray with great faith for you because I am fully convinced that the one who began this glorious expression of grace in your lives will faithfully continue the process of maturing you through your union with him and will complete it at the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's no wonder I pray with such confidence since you have a permanent place in my heart. You have remained partners with me in the wonderful grace of God even though I'm here in chains for standing up for the truth of the gospel. Only God knows how much I dearly love you with the tender affection of Jesus, the anointed one. I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase more and more until it overflows, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. And with this revelation, you will come to know God fully as he imparts to you the deepest understanding of his ways. This will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ. And you will be filled completely with the fruits of righteousness, which are found in Jesus, the anointed one, bringing great praise and glory to God. How do you like those apples? Is that good? Mm, mm, mm. Wow. So let's get into it. The first he begins after he identifies who he is and, and the, whom he's writing to, he, he gives a blessing, which a blessing is, is a form of prayer. And so he's given this blessing that they would be full of divine grace and supernatural peace. Wow. Divine grace and supernatural peace. Let, let the grace, Holy Spirit, would you just apply the divine grace and the supernatural peace to us right now? Just as Paul prayed for the church of Philippi, we pray for the church at Mount Comfort. We pray, Father, that your divine grace and your supernatural peace would rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Receive that. That's a good blessing. Yeah. You'll want to receive that and receive that and receive that and keep receiving that because it's, it's designed to keep on coming to be upon our lives. Yeah. And then he has this expression about praying. And it keeps getting repeated over and over and over in the first 11 verses. He says, first, my prayer for you my prayer for you is full of praise to God. So when he's praying for the Philippians, he's just filled with praises for the Lord. He says, this is why. I give him thanks for you with great joy. When you think about those people that you love, 
and you're interceding for them and you're praying for them and you're lifting them up, man, it's such a rich and wonderful time. And, and, and it gives you a, a kind of a celebrating heart before the Lord that you can't help but just praise him when you're thinking of those that you love that he's laid upon your heart. I imagine uh, the good ones as they're praying for Devi, uh, what's that like? You know, it's like, oh, this is like pulling teeth today, Lord. Oh, I got to pray. I got to pray for this little one. Oh, Jesus, please help little De- No, man, you get into the presence of the Lord and, and the love bond that you have with the one that you're praying so unites your heart with God and his love that you can't help but celebrate and give thanks and praise and just praise his name and just get lost in his goodness and his love because he is a good, good father. Dying old mate. And he loves us so much. So as we, as we pray for those that we love, we find that it teaches us how to even bond in a greater connection in our prayer life with the Lord. Hmm. Now, when we're bringing someone that's in a, in a dire situation, sometimes we come with a real sense of heaviness before the, before the Lord. But here in this prayer, we're seeing Paul express an unbelievable joy because of he's praying for the people that he loves and he knows that they love him. Pretty cool. R.B. shared with us his testimony of Herb Jensen and, and this little expression that he uses in restaurants when they're getting served by their uh, waitress or waiter. And as the server comes and takes their order, you know, it just really natural. I've seen Rick do this like two or three times now. And it's contagious. It's absolutely contagious. I authorize all of you to be able to use this little expression to engage with people as you're, as you're frequenting a restaurant. So much fun. I've started a, a, a prayer request list in, in my iPad for every server that gives me a prayer request to pray for. Uh, first time I used it was at Bob Evans. And the lady came up and, and as I, you know, just very simply just said, hey, in a few minutes after we get our food, we're going to have a word of prayer. Is there anything we could pray for you? And she said, I just got news that someone's uncle just got hit by a car, just in a car accident and is in critical condition. And she said, I just found that out five minutes ago when I started my shift. I said, well, we'll pray for him and we'll pray for you for peace. So I've got her in, it was a very unique name, um, but I've got her logged in. I've been praying for this one that's in critical condition at the hospital. Hopefully his condition has improved by now. Uh, So praying for people in, in times of dire situation like that, you, you, you get a, a focus and, and you get a heart and you get an intentionality of praying and you pray in earnest and focus and you come, you remember who God is. Um, John Newell, I think every time you're praying for John, you, you're not lost in the heavenlies and all of this, you know, the same as you would with Devi. 
But our prayer for John is very, very pinpointed for divine healing and a defeat of disease in his body and for life in his liver and his pancreas and everything for this tumor to be completely eradicated from his body and for all the bile ducts to flow the way God originally intended. And when we pray for that, we get real specific. We get laser point and our focus is on the situation that we want to call God's power, his kingdom, his presence into. But when I'm praying for Zoe, it's happy time. It's joy time. It's, oh Lord, thank you for this precious one. And, and now even for Devi, for all our, our grandkids, all those that are about to come, Ashley and Ashley's, <laughs> the two Ashley babies that are on their way, uh, we, we just want to pray and we want to prophesy. We want to prophesy the love of God. We want to prophes- prophesy peace and, and just the wonder of knowing and connecting with the Lord. It's really, really wonderful. So Paul says that he's full of praise to God and he gives, he's given thanks to God with great joy. He's so grateful for the union with this group, this people group, together in Christ for that partnership that they have ever since he proclaimed the gospel. There's something... There's something about people the first time they hear the gospel presentation and they receive it with open arms and with great joy. Mm. And Paul says that because of the way that they responded to that gospel, that there was a bond that was created between him and them that brought a, a sense of partnership in the gospel. That they, because they responded to the gospel and came into a life union with Jesus, that they really had that oneness with Jesus, that it, it kind of sealed their partnership in the gospel. And so everywhere where Paul is, is preaching and evangelizing throughout the earth, throughout that area of, of, of the world, there was a sense that the Philippians were with him and they were co-laboring with Paul as he preached. And so he's, he's filled with prayer. He's filled with love. He's, he's overcome. He's given thanksgiving and joy and praise because of the partnership that he has with them as those that responded to the gospel. Second thing he prays is, I'm praying for you with great faith. Great faith for you. There are certain people because of how they've aligned themselves and connected with the Lord, that when you pray for them, there's great faith because you know that they're sincere. They're sincere in their heart relationship with Jesus. And so as you pray for them, man, you you pray with really great faith, believing that God is doing a work there that is just going and going and going. And so as he prays with great faith, He prays that way because he's fully convinced that the one who began this glory expression of grace in their lives ah, will faithfully continue the process of maturing them through their union with Jesus and will complete it at the day of Christ. 
the day that Jesus is unveiled. I find that there's a, there's a parallel between praying with great faith and knowing that someone is in union with Jesus. When you know that they have connected with Jesus and, and that there is a bond between Jesus and them, that you can pray with great faith. Where does great faith come from? Have you ever tried to muster up some faith? Got a situation and it looks hopeless. It looks really bad. And you're thinking, oh gosh, if I pray right now with this attitude, that prayer is not even going to make it to the ceiling. You know, it's not even going to get past first base, let alone hit a home run. So how, how, do, I, how do I get faith? Have you figured it out? What's the secret of, of getting great faith? <laughs> you know, many of us, we, we really, we, we strain, we agonize, we, we, we cry out for faith. We're saying, increase my faith, Lord. Why? Well, I, I got this mountain that needs to be moved, and right now my faith would be lucky to move a pebble. So I realize I need faith. When we, when we focus on faith, we always focus on the wrong thing. We always focus on the wrong thing. Faith, faith doesn't come about because we're straining, we're agonizing, we're, we're persevering, we're gritting our teeth, we're trying to get faith. Faith comes out of relationship with Jesus. It's the union that we have with Jesus. And the word union is expressing that relationship with Jesus. It means that we are coming into agreement. We're coming into oneness with, with Christ. That there is a union with him. It's more than just an alliance. It's, a, it's an alignment of positioning ourselves before him in such a way that our relationship is starting to reach a maximum level for this moment in time and space. And so Paul writes about going from faith to faith. But you go from faith to faith not because you've made a commitment to study faith. It's not because you made a commitment to strain and strive after faith. That's because you've aligned yourself in relationship with him. You've come into union with him. And the byproduct, the result of being in union with him is faith. Why? Because the more you know him, the more you know who he is, the more you realize how much power he has, the more you realize how loving and kind and good he is, all of a sudden then the, the things that are impossible, the things that are, that are against love, the hatred that's coming forth, the, the anger, the, the attitude of indifference, the more you're aware that his love conquers everything. His love will always win the day. And as you come into that reality, you're, you're able to release that in partnership, in the partner union with his heart and your heart on the earth. That's good. Oh, yes. That's good. Now, there are people who have a gift of faith. 
So let's take out just a, just a few seconds to talk about people that have the gift of faith. It, it's, it's one of the things that, that they receive as a gift. They've received that gift because they're in relationship with Jesus. But in that relationship, as, as the Lord is distributing the gifts, as the Holy Spirit's distributing the gift, the person who gets faith, for them it's just automatic. It's, it's just like, oh, we've, we've got this impossible thing. Well, let's believe God. God would do it. Our, my dear Patty was a woman of faith. Yeah. She had the gift of faith. Yeah. She, she absolutely had the gift of faith. You bring anything that looked impossible to Patty, and she saw it from God's perspective that it was totally doable, totally doable for God, no problem. And in that sense, continue to desire spiritual gifts always, but the one that we desire the most is prophecy. But we, we'll, we'll take every gift. Has anybody got a gift that you, you gave back? You, you just thought, oh, this gift, Lord, eh, don't. I was considering it at one time, but I, I realized there's no way. There's no way. Even the least of the gifts is so incredibly wonderful and powerful. For the rest of us who don't get the gift of faith, it comes through relationship. Actually, everybody gets the gift of faith. Some, it's the Fram Oil commercial. You can pay me now or pay me later. You know, there's an easy way, there's a difficult way. You know, if, if, we, if we don't get it as a spiritual gift, it's something that gets developed within us as we continue our walk with Jesus. So much so that you don't even have to have the gift of faith. If you continue in your union with Jesus, faith will continue to build and you'll still be able to move mountains. You don't just have to have the spiritual gift of faith to move a mountain. It comes out of your relationship, your union with Christ. Anybody got a mountain today that you need to, you need to see moved? We got any mountains? Yeah. Just three. Okay. <laughs> Lord, we pray for these three mountains that you'll move them for your glory. Indeed. Indeed. This is, this is verse, the verse six, you know, is part of this that we, we come into. And I just love it. I just love it. Mm. Christ is so committed to you that he will grow you up. Some of us grow up through the, through the hard, difficult path of rebellion and resistance, but he loves us so much. He's so committed to us. He won't violate our free will, but he will, he will continue to work with us until... <laughs> we get to the place where we realize, oh, I think maybe following Jesus on this might be the best way for me. Could be after a couple two-by-fours hit us. It, it could be after we've been squished. We've had some rocks fall on us, uh, those kind of things. But uh, eventually, we usually get there because of his, of his great love. He, he gets us there. He knows how to mature us. And the maturation process is a relational process. It's a relationship with him. It's not gaining great academic wisdom. 
It's not how many Bible verses you've been able to memorize. It's a relationship with him. Scripture's wonderful. Scripture's good. Not speaking against that. But for many, they have a relationship with the Bible and they don't have a relationship with God. You need to have a relationship with God and his word is a wonderful way for that to to happen. But it's not, God is not restricted to just the written word. He's a living word. He's alive. And he wants to speak and talk to us and, and be with us every day of our lives. So the prayer convinced that he who began the glorious expression of grace, I love that, the glorious expression of grace, salvation, the moment that you said yes to Jesus, is the moment that the glorious expression of grace began in your life. And it's going to continue, it's going to mature, and it's going to complete, and it's going to be absolutely perfect when Jesus returns. Because we'll see him as he is. Scripture says we'll be like him because we see him as he is. Mm -hmm. Then he goes on to pray again. My prayer for you, I pray with such confidence since you have a permanent place in my heart. Who has a permanent place in your heart? Those that you love have a permanent place in your heart. And unlike the Grinch, our hearts should be continuing to expand, which makes more room for more to be loved and have a permanent place in your heart. Jesus has a permanent place in my heart. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have a permanent place in my heart. Debbie has a permanent place in my heart. Mm. Crystal, Christopher, and Stephanie have a permanent place in my heart. Mm. Jay, Krista, and Andy, my son-in-laws and daughter-in-law, has a permanent place in my heart. Hmm. Hayden, Layla, and Zoe have a permanent place in my heart. Hmm. I'm sure you don't want me to go through my whole prayer list right now. Of everyone that has a permanent place in my heart. But this church has a permanent place in my heart. I understand what Paul's saying. As he's writing to the church at Philippi, they have a permanent place in his heart. So if I ever offend you, which is just absolutely unheard of. (laughs) Know that you always have a permanent place in my heart. This is one of the things that Shanti Feldman 
had in her, in her simple uh, keys of highly happy marriages is that we're all going to offend each other at some point in life. Even our spouses we offend. Many people who don't have a highly happy marriage, it's because when the offense comes, they use that as a, a, a chance to substantiate, well, I didn't think you really loved me anyway. But highly happy marriages, when offense happens, the spouse always thinks, I know my spouse loves me. This hurts. I don't understand why this has happened, but I know when I hear the story and the part that I don't understand right now, I know it'll make sense. Might not be happy with it, but it'll make sense. You'll be able to understand. And it's kind of like that way, even among the body, I find that we've got some folks in our church that are very, very sensitive and they, they get offended so easily, so easily. It's just amazing how easy some folks can get. And some of them aren't here today because they're still, they may still be in offense. And it's like, okay, we gotta go, go get them and, and find out, let them know. But if you know, if you know that there's a love bond between you and the fellowship, we should be the least offendable people on the planet among ourselves. Doesn't mean we're always gonna like everything, but it should be really hard to be offended in a way that would bring a distance in relationship because we have each other in our hearts. Hmm. But some people just, they, they get offended so easily. And the enemy loves to get us to the point. Do you find the joy in being able to be 100% right and know that somebody else is 100% wrong? And it's kind of like you've got them in this sniper rifle and they're in the crosshairs and you've got them and you're so, you're so filled with joy. You're so satisfied that you've got them right there and now you've got to decide whether you're going to pull the trigger. And sometimes as I get so excited, especially when I have been vindicated and proven right, I want to pull that trigger so fast. But I find the love of God never wants me to pull the trigger. You can be 100% right. Doesn't mean you have to pull the trigger. I don't know if that analogy makes sense for you. I hope so. Because some of us are trigger happy. And all we need is 25% right, and we're ready to pull the trigger. And it's like, oh, Jesus, help us to understand that we don't have to give in to every temptation to assassinate someone. Mm. Okay. Don't you love it when I have scripture that I can just exhort and ramble on? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Bring it on. <laughs> since you have a permanent place in my heart you have remained partners with me in this wonderful gospel this wonderful grace of God even though I'm here in chains for standing up for the truth of the gospel only God knows how much 
how dearly I love you with tender affection of Jesus. The bond that, that Paul is talking about here is a bond that uh, being jailed hasn't brought shame or disrespect. You know, the kind of stuff that we don't want to be identified with this person because they've done wrong. Now, the kind of wrong that Paul did was standing up for the truth of the gospel. But how quickly, how quickly we throw people under the bus when, when they have fallen, when they have failed. And, and we find that with Jesus that he, he never throws anybody under the bus. Do you realize he never threw Judas under the bus? He knew Judas was going to do what he was going to do. But I think even, even at the Last Supper, he's, he's given Judas an opportunity not to. Now, for some of my predestination folks, I'm not trying to pick a fight. <laughs> I'm just trying to say that Jesus loves even those that are going to betray him. We see it with the ones who deny him. He restores Peter. We see that he never throws anyone under the bus. Hmm. Partners in the wonderful grace of God. They're, they're going to stand with him regardless of what, what Paul goes through. They're going to stand with him. They're going to be with him. And so his last prayer begins at verse 9. And he says, I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase more and more until it overflows. And this is the key to the whole morning. It's having the understanding that the number one prayer for all our loved ones and for each other is that our love would increase more and more until it overflows. Love is the foundation of everything in the kingdom of God. Love is the foundation of your union with Christ. And out of that love connection and union with Jesus, you find that as your love grows, here's what follows. Love brings you into a rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. Now, this is the problem. Most of my Christian life, which began when I was in elementary school, you know, I've wanted to know more. I'm the kind of person that just wants to know so that I can know more than you do. Oh, you know those kind of little know-it-alls? You know, just, of course, I would never admit that to anybody, so you guys didn't hear that. Shh, shh. But as a kid, I, I love knowing stuff. That's why I like getting good grades, because, you know, if you, if you could get 100 out of 100, man. And I, I remember when we transferred in elementary school, and they passed out the math test. Math is one of my favorite loves for an elective in college, I took calculus as an elective class, just for fun. Just thought it was fun. It didn't really fit with religion and philosophy, but it, it, was, it was fun for me. And so they pass out, and the, and the teacher says, there's only one, one perfect paper. And everybody went, Carol, Carol, because Carol was the smartest kid in the class until I showed up. <laughs> Later in high school, Carol, Carol and I went to the same high school and all this kind of stuff. She let me know that she hated me. 
because of that day. I, have, I never knew that because she was always nice to me, but I never, she hated me that day because that was the day that she lost her supremacy as the math scholar <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. You like to know stuff, but when it comes to the kingdom of God, you don't know it the way you do in the world. In the world, you study, you get your academic, you can feed your ego, you can feed your know-it-all desire. But in the kingdom, you can't do that. Because it doesn't matter how much of the Bible you've read, it doesn't matter how many books you've read, if you haven't spent time with the Savior, you haven't been increasing in love. Matter of fact, Paul says that knowledge puffs up in contrast to how love edifies and builds up. So a lot of time our pursuit for knowledge and our critical thinking in our, in our country and within our culture, as we try to become really brainiacs, we find that we can know so much that we love very little. But in the kingdom, Paul is saying, as your love increases, and your love continues to develop more and more, should be the cry of every one of our hearts, Lord, more love. Help me to love more. Help me to receive your love more. It will bring you into rich revelation of spiritual insight into all things. If you continue to pursue love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your relationship with the one who is love, the Lord Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, as you pursue that love, <laughs> it'll bring you into rich revelation, spiritual insight into all things. And it's this revelation you will come to know God fully. And how many times do we have the cry, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you more fully than I've ever known you. I want to really connect with you. Yeah. He imparts to you the deepest understanding of his ways. Oh, sign me up. Mm. And this will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all. Doesn't that sound like the prelude to 1 Corinthians 13? And now I show you a more excellent way. And then he goes for 13 verses and talks about love. Love. This will enable you become pure without offense. You know, when you love people, even when they do wrong to you, it's hard to, it's hard to stay in that, uh, that place of offense. Mm. And you will be filled completely with the fruits of righteousness which are found in Jesus, the anointed one. Yeah. I, I, I'm, since we started the School of Kingdom Ministry, this whole understanding of the righteousness of Jesus has taken a whole new place in my heart and pursuit of knowing him and the fullness of his righteousness because he is the one that brings the fruit of righteousness into our lives. And this brings us great praise and glory to God. We bring great praise and glory to God. Love is at the foundation. That's why I save communion for the end. It's the wonderful expression of the love of God. That God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
And as we come to the table that the Lord has prepared for us, we come to an expression of love that was so far outside the normal Greek vernacular that they had to take a word that was hardly even used anymore and bring it back in to usage to express the eternal, sacrificial, unconditional love of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's called agape. That love. That love. And that's the love that gives us eternal life. In your pursuit and in your desire to know God more fully, you need to realize that it's, it's, a, it's a relational dynamic of a union that continues to bring increase in your capacities to receive love first and then to overflow with love to those around you. Some of us have, have tried to do it within our own will, within our own desire. I'm going to love that person if it kills me. And it usually kills you. I don't know how many times I thought, now I want to be really loving today when this appointment comes in because there's probably something that's just a little irritating about the situation. It's good to have a heart that wants the desire to be loving. It's better to take your heart and spend time with the one who is loving. You will get more ability to love others as you hang out with Jesus than you'll ever get by sheer willpower of your own desire to be a loving person. So Jesus, we come to your presence with thanksgiving. Thanking you, Father, that you loved us so much that you gave us your one and only, your beloved Son. Jesus, we thank you for loving us so much and loving the Father so much that you chose to endure the cross, scorning its shame, because there's great joy. There's great joy of a love relationship with you and me, with everyone who welcomes this glorious grace. Mm. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you quicken each heart today? For the one that doesn't know you, I pray that this would be a divine moment right now where they would be able to surrender everything to you because they found the pearl of great price. And you have found us as the pearl of great price. And so you paid for us. Now we have the opportunity of receiving your love. And from that position of your love, offering you our love. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make these moments so transformative in our lives 
that we would not see things the way we see them right now. But after we receive these elements and your presence and your love, may we truly be transformed with the passion to know you. So may your love abound more and more in our hearts. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.